Hey, hey, welcome back to another edition of the Soccer Specialist Podcast. Today is a rainy one. Yesterday was kind of rainy as well. I know a lot of people have been able to get their soccer in, though, which is which is cool. Hopefully, wherever you are, you're able to been able to get your games in this weekend. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of things, actually. One, I'm not going to dive into this too deep, I don't think, right now, but it's kind of been on my mind. I brought it up in the uh, Facebook group. I think it's a complicated subject. It's interesting, some of the responses you get. In, uh, in talking about this, because you get into, I guess, parenting style in, in general. So it definitely, <laughs> definitely gets uh, tricky to talk about. And that is, why do we, and this is coaches too, uh, but definitely parents, uh, why do we, but this is important for players to listen to, all right? And I want you to hear this as well. Um, it absolutely affects you. And it's something that you can have an impact on as well in your own development. So why do we keep our players from getting out of their comfort zone? How is that helpful to them and their development? Because there's no doubt we do it, right, parents? Whether it's, you know, um, club hopping because – and I first let me make the disclaimer. I know there are legitimate reasons for things like switching teams and all that, but there are also a lot that just simply aren't, and it's more about protecting a player from ever being hurt or getting – uh, emotionally hurt or getting uncomfortable and, and so forth. And I don't really understand that perspective as to why we do that. And when, when, when the players stay, when players, when you stay in your comfort zone and you only do what you're already good at, you don't grow. I mean, how, how do you, you're not automatically good at something. So you're not going to be good at it when you start, right? So you're going to, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to feel uncomfortable. Uh, well, when you don't keep trying new things, when you don't keep trying to expand your abilities as a player, you don't grow as a player. When you don't make mistakes as a player, you don't grow as a player, right? When you don't fail, you don't grow. So when you stay comfortable, you don't grow, you don't improve, you don't get better. Does that make sense? So, and it's interesting because when we have discussions framed a different le- different way and we talk about you know, encouraging players to make mistakes, letting them know it's okay to make mistakes because we know that's how they get better. Everybody nods around. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, when you talk about them getting out of their comfort zone, it gets a little, it gets a little trickier. Not everybody is willing to do that or understand uh, what it means, but yet how are they going to make these mistakes that you think are good for their development without getting out of their comfort zone? Uh, How are they going to improve as players without getting out of their comfort zone? Um, and, and this goes to everything. And what I mean about it is, is look, we're <laughs> human beings are naturally lazy. We're comfortable being comfortable. Okay. And that, so that means also training at home, right? I, I'm not just talking about going out and trying a move that you've never, you've never tried before, but getting out of your, your comfort zone to force yourself to do the things you need to do to become a better player. Cause let's face it, it's a lot easier. It's a lot more comfortable to get home after school and hop on your phone or find a movie or TV show to, to stream than it is to get out and train, uh, to do, to do conditioning, to get out with the ball, uh, to do those types of things that you need to do, become, become better, to do things that you're not good at, to do things that you don't necessarily want to do, but you know, long-term they're good for your development. Right. So, um, you know, let me see if I can frame this another way. When my girls were younger, 
but they had been playing for a few years. We would always have discussions, uh, especially in times of frustration or, or when things weren't going well, that would center around reminding them how far they'd already come to where they are. Right. And I, I think that's a confidence booster as well. Uh, one of the things I used to talk about when when they would be learning something new and they, they would struggle with it. So, of course, they don't really want to do it again. It's about getting out of your comfort zone. Right. You. I'll give you a great example. Let's talk about most players are right footed. Right. So let's just assume players are right footed. How many players do you see that absolutely avoid doing anything with their left foot? Why? Because it's uncomfortable. It's not their comfort zone. Their right foot, their dominant foot is their comfort zone. But if you don't get out of your comfort zone and use your other foot, use your weaker foot, you're going to struggle as a player. It never has to be equal. It never will be equal, okay? Um, but it needs to be good enough to play the game. And you, it's never going to be unless you get out of, the, out of your comfort zone. So one of the things I would use is, I say, oh, you know, I tell the rest of you, you, you're not going to remember this, but let me tell you, Learning to walk was a struggle for you, right? Parents of the players I'm talking to, you know, because you've seen it recently with your own, right? They they fall down a lot. They struggle even to get up. They they might even get temporarily hurt at times. But guess what? They keep at it. And parents, you let them keep out of it, keep at it. But it's not their comfort zone, is it? Right? Talk about being out of your comfort zone, going from sitting to crawling to walking to running. And I would tell my players, I said, look, you don't even think about walking anymore. You don't even think about running anymore, changing direction anymore. I mean, if if you did, each step might take days. You literally talked, uh, thought through first every little thing you needed to do to move your leg, take a step. It would take forever. But you were out of your comfort zone for a long time, and you made a, long, a lot of mistakes before you're able to do that. And that is where you want to get with the ball at your feet, right? So you, you don't think about what it takes to pull off a Matthews. You just do it. But you will have had to do it many, many times and thought about it. So you're going to do it slowly and you will have messed up a lot. So you will be uncomfortable taking the Matthews, something you've never done and getting it to the point where you can do it without thinking in a game. You have to get uncomfortable to get better. Um, and that's, I kind of want to just broach the topic. I actually went into it a little more than I was going to, and that's probably something we'll, we'll revisit because it's important to create environment to help these players to get uncomfortable and to be okay with getting uncomfortable to the point where they want to get uncomfortable because they know what the results are going to be by doing that. So I also wanted to talk, I meant to mention this at the beginning, because we talked a lot, we talk a lot about the mental game and, and, and so forth. I wanted to just get a little bit back into something about the physical aspect of the game. And that's the fact that, and I'm sure many of you have heard me talk about this before, that the one thing that's going to set you apart from other players in terms of your physical game, it's your ability to control the ball in any situation under pressure, keep it and get out of that, whether it's to beat a player off the dribble, beat two players off the dribble, um, be able to shield the ball and keep it under pressure against two or three players and take little touches, finally find the space to make a simple pass, whatever it is to help your team keep possession, right? And that is the key to performance. That is the key to everything else that you do. When you've mastered the ability to control the ball under pressure, everything about the game becomes easier. Okay, if you can beat defenders 1v1 or even 1v2 or 1v3, and again, I don't mean dribble through an entire team, although that's cool, right? And when you're younger, sure, try it. But 
I mean just to keep the ball. You're going to break down defenses. You're going to wreak havoc on your opponents and their defensive shape because they can't play a typical defensive shape because they know they're going to have to worry about you with two or maybe even three players. And that's going to pull them out of shape and then allows you to make passes to players in open spaces. Okay, so when you are able to do that with the ball at your feet, you are going to be so important to any any soccer team, any soccer team, because uh, while it's a complex team game, no doubt when broken down, it's a series of one v one, two v one, two v two battles all over the field. And the team that wins more of those one v one battles has a great chance to win the game. Now, we know it's soccer, right? Mm-hmm. We know we know you can dominate games and lose. But when you you want to do all the things that you can do to give yourself the best chance uh, for winning. I actually got that one about the team winning more of those 1v1 battles from uh, an Anson Dorrance, uh, UNC coach, longtime UNC coach, from uh, a seminar that he did once. And I absolutely agree with that. Uh, but it does require a level of effort and dedication that most players don't have. And that's why most players won't succeed. And again, it goes to getting out of your comfort zone, right? So and I want to clarify because I, I know some people who are so have it so ingrained in them that at four and five years old, we get them playing out of the back and possessing in one touch and two touch. And understand, I'm not talking about creating selfish players. I'm talking about proper age and level development in order to help them become the best player they can be down the road. It's not about being the best six-year-old player that looks like an adult player. It's about doing what's best for the six-year-old player so that when they're 16, 17, 18, they're the best player that they can possibly be within within the team structure, okay? And those, those are differences, okay? We don't want six-year-olds to look like maybe slightly slower, less skilled adults playing the game. That's not going to help them. But I don't want to get into that too far. I'll, I'll probably talk about that more. I've talked about that in detail in the past. But in terms of that, I want to talk about a specific thing that I see that is crucial to development and again i guess goes back to players not getting an opportunity to do this enough and that's why i think they struggle with it right and this is the super secret premier elite underground rebel renegade i forgot renegade that's another one too right um one v one tip okay so uh and what i was getting just alluding to is those same dribbling mistakes we see over and over again. And the biggest one I see is getting too close to a defender before making a move, right? You get, And so the defender doesn't even really have to do any of the work. You get close enough, you usually slow down a lot too, right? Like you'd be dribbling at a defender and you want to make, you want to make a scissor. So you slow down, you almost come to a stop and you make the scissor right in front of the defender. All they have to do when you try and go by them is stick out their foot, tackle you and take the ball, right? So, a lot of players do that, they, or they go at a defender, and then they simply push the ball into space on either side, which allows the defender to simply drop step, and now the defender's between you and the ball. And this is because young players have a complete lack of understanding of space and time and movement with regard to 1v1 play. And again, this is not the player's fault. This is a lack of coaching and a lack of experience because we don't allow them to do this very under, very often, okay? So that's on us as adults. That's on us as coaches. That's on us as parents encouraging them to get out with the ball at home. We just, we just don't have them practice it. And yet it's an incredibly, incredibly important, uh, important skill that they need to be a successful player, right? So, <sighs> 
we don't teach it, then we should teach it. How's that? <laughs> we really, really, really need to teach it. So, and this is crucial to be able to go at a defender and beat them to the left or right with a move. The move doesn't matter. Scissors, step over, um, Matthews, double scissor, lunge fake, uh, whatever, whatever it might be. Most players start their move way too late and they make themselves easy to defend. And that's, again, because they don't have that understanding of, of uh, space and how quickly that space between them and the defender disappears. They don't have that spatial awareness. And it seems like an easy problem to fix. But even at older youth ages and higher level teams, you see the same mistake over and over again. Uh, and again, that's because we don't teach it. But for the parents listening, uh, you can help or if they have a sibling or just they can get another player to work on this with. And that's being a passive defender. And in this situation, what I do with a passive defender and say this type of one V one work um, on a specific move, like uh, let's just say we start with a simple body faint, right? Where you simply lunge fake one way without even touching the ball. And then you dribble the other. So if you're going to dribble to the right to beat the defender, you're going at the defender, you take your left foot, and quickly move it out to the left, but without actually touching the ball, right? Dip the shoulder like you're going to explode that way, but don't touch the ball. And then with the outside of your right foot, you go to the right to beat the defender, right? Um, probably the simplest move. You don't even really need the ball skills. It's more about selling the move with the step and the shoulder drop, quickly going the other way and ex exploding out and having – you do need one good first touch on that dribble, but it's not – a complicated move in terms of technical skill with the ball. It's selling that lunge fake to get the defender to lean that way, and then you go the other way. So here's what happens. Again, most players are going to make that move too close to a defender, so then the, pass, the defender just sticks their foot out when they do make the move and tackles the ball. So you have a passive defender stand there that the player can dribble at at speed like they would in a game, okay? Make their lunge fake, go the other way. All the passive defender can... I want the passive defender to do is not move like you're not moving in, in any direction, but you can go as far as you can reach out your foot. So that lets the, the offensive player know if the defender can just stick a foot out and get and get a touch on the ball, poke it away, tackle him, whatever. You've made you've gotten too close to the defender where you made the move, or you're really, really, really slow with the move. Okay, which, which is another aspect. And again, that goes back to actually working on it. So dribble at speed. And you want to start out slow anyway, because you want to get it down. But as you get more comfortable, you want to dribble at speed like you would game speed. Get out and make the, make the uh, move um, at game speed. Go by the defender at game speed. Okay, so this is going to help players to understand distancing and when to start their move around a defender. Because most players start their move way, way, way too late. Uh, the Matthews is a great a great one um, that's not too, too complicated, but it's a great move when done well, obviously. Anyone who's listened for a while knows that I love that move. There's a video of it on um, on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, put in the soccer specialist, probably Matthews, and it, it, it should come up. And, and again, to timing, right? That move's going to take a little longer to develop probably than a simple lunge fake. So understanding that and developing the move to be as quick as you can be with it, or another one's going to take a little longer is you'd lunge fake with scissors, which is also in the video. So that's, I mean, not lunge fake, Matthews with scissors. Sorry. So you make that Matthews move, 
But then instead of actually just going, then you throw another scissor too. So it's like a quick double move. But knowing both is great because now you can go either way around the defender. Okay. So 1v1 play. And here, here I am talking about when you're going at a defender that you want to beat off the dribble. Okay. Um, change of speed. Change of direction selling the body faint, right? If you're faking one direction because you're going to go the other, you need to sell it with the step. You need to drop that shoulder like you're going to explode, right? When you go to sprint and take that first step, that shoulder drops because you want to create that power and that correct angle to get up to accelerate quickly, right? So you're going to dip that shoulder. So it's body faint. You know, you want to be explosive with that first step, okay? You don't go at the defender and then you make the the move at the same speed. Now you want to explode. You want to accelerate to another another level. Close control. Keep baby, keeping that ball at your feet, not letting it get ahead of you, um, so where defenders can just stick out and take it. And the same thing when you make the move to go by him too, right? You want to accelerate into space, but you have to understand again the angles that you create and how big you can take that that touch because. If you get too close to the defender and you just push it by him to one direction pretty big, they just – a good defender of NCAA learners, they just drop step, and now they're between you and the ball, and the ball is theirs. Okay, so uh, also go to the YouTube channel. So just go in there. Check out the 1v1 Nutmeg game. Um, you'll see more detail about it there. Um, I think I'm going to leave it there for now. I really do appreciate everyone listening. Uh, hopefully you got something out of this. I know it can get a little tricky getting into actual like 1v1 moves and stuff like that in an audio format, but hopefully that made a lot of sense to you. Um, I am. Oh, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for uh, sharing the, the podcast. We've hit over 2000 followers on specifically on Spotify, which is really cool. So if you listen on Spotify and you haven't, followed the podcast please do that um leave reviews leave ratings um apple i think apple podcast is probably the second most listened to um because it really does help for for the podcast to get found by others who simply go to the the podcast site and they're looking for something on uh, soccer so that really really do appreciate that go to the soccer specialist.com slash chasing greatness to get on the email newsletter list and to learn about um i share a lot of stuff via newsletter it's so important because Social media can disappear at any time. I have no control over that. So uh, please get on the, the email list. That would be awesome. I'm going to leave you with a couple of playlist tunes to get you pumped up before the game or before training or what have you. And we're going to go way, way, way back. We're going back to the 70s for both of these. Uh, the first one, the song is Barracuda. The group is Heart. All right. And definitely have the girls listen to this one. This is a great song the uh lead singer lead guitarists are sisters um go check it out there's a if you want to watch there's a 77 i think it's from 77 there's a live performance on youtube that's fantastic uh check that out the other one blitzkrieg bop by the ramones okay and by the way that the if you the live version is as they do with all their songs the live version is like 10 times faster than the studio version so either one but you you're not going to be able to help but get pumped up and ready to go. So check those out as well. I am going to leave it there for now. Again, this ended up being much longer than I thought it was going to be. Hopefully you got something out of the podcast. You learned something new, got you thinking uh, about different ways to help develop your game. And um, yeah, I'm going to leave it there. Have a, have a great rest of the day and we will talk to you later.